You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? It's a brand new episode of Off Book, presented to you by Broadway Black. We're ready to hit it on marks. We're ready to hit it, hit it on. Come on now. What are we trying to hit? <sighs> My, like, I hate that every week I come in and I be like, okay, I'm going to get it in uh-huh. this week. I'm not going to stutter. And I just be I be getting around y'all. We be laughing and kicking, and my whole brain just start malfunctioning. Malfunctioning, oh, <laughs> right? Because I can't get. I was gonna say you be in the moment, but you call it malfunctioning. Well, because I I want to get the words out, mm-hmm. but I be thinking about so much at one time, and I be laughing at the same time. And mm-hmm. you know, we talked about it last week, where I just be like, oh, this is gonna be so good, and then mm-hmm. I just completely you forget. be living, right? You be living. Anyway, <clears throat> what's going on, everybody? It's a brand new episode of Off Book presented to you by Broadway Black. We're ready to hit our marks, and we're gonna hit them right now. My name is Drew Shea. I'm Don. Kanye Love. I'm Bassi Ekby. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes, Miles. Listen. Yes, Joy. We have one of my most favorite people in the world, Bassi Ikby, in the building today. Y'all come on and just like send her all the love. I know you Woo! can't like I can't I can't even explain to you what this means for me and how much um I'm excited for you to be here and just and talk about so many so many different things. Okay. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Okay, so tell the people a little bit about um who you are and how you're attached to Broadway Black, how you're attached to the theater community, if, you know, if they don't know, if y'all don't know who Bossy Ikby is. For those uh, fools that don't know. Yeah, like... No shade, y'all, but those fools that don't know. Because you are just a, a treasure. Thank so, you. okay, well, maybe I should I should do the resume because she's not going... I know you're not going... She's not going to do it. She's, <laughs> she's not like, going to talk no. about herself the way that, you know, she uh, deserves and, and all her great things. So Bossy Ikby is a writer and a mental health advocate. Uh, her debut essay collection, I'm Telling the Truth But I'm Lying, is forthcoming in August from Harper Perennial. An active voice in the mental health community, Bossy is the founder of the Don't Seaway Project. Yes, okay, the Seaway Project, a global nonprofit centering the lives of black and brown people in conversations surrounding mental health. She's also the creator of No Shame Day, an initiative that attempts to reduce stigma and create space for uh, people to be heard and seen through their own stories. Bossy lives in Maryland and is working on various projects. Now, we met a couple of years ago, almost like, what, eight years ago? Eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eight years ago uh, via the internet. 
Um, and she was such an advocate for mental health, and it was something that I was new to discovering that, hey, I'm not just a lazy person. I have something that I am dealing with, and um, I need to find the proper resources and help. And so Bosby was like my first introduction into finding and discovering more about um, getting help for my mental uh, my mental health. And um, also learned that you were an amazing poet in the in the process of you tweeting out all these amazing things about mental health advocacy um but you're an amazing poet you worked with deaf poetry jam mm-hmm. and that was really something that catapulted you uh into the limelight so can you talk a little bit about that and, and tell people about your journey and along with the mental health aspect included um first of all it's good to see you good to see you and too. i remember that first conversation i had to pull over in the gas station and oh just my God. chill and talk to you for a bit um yeah i i started my career here in new york city um with deaf poetry jam the tv show but this is this is a broadway connection yeah um i joined the traveling uh tour of the tony award-winning deaf poetry jam yeah and i still have that book do you that really? collection. Oh yes. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Taking me back. Yes. It feels like it was three years ago, mm-hmm. but I know it wasn't. Um, <laughs> this was like two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> that part. Yes. Uh huh. Yes. Right. <laughs> it was then. <laughs> she said, "Don't try it." Right. I'll, 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 I'll go ahead and stop. I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> but um, so you you joined the tour, mm-hmm. um, and so what was that experience like for you being a part of a uh, Tony Award-winning uh, play that is now the first national tour. Um, it was it was good. It, it it was good in the beginning. We started off. I joined the 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 company when they were in Scotland mm, at the okay. Edinburgh Fringe Festival, um, and that was an amazing experience. We were there for I think July and August for the Fringe Festival, and then when we got back to the states, it started the statewide tour, um, and I did. Uh, I want to say about like 80% of that tour, Mm -hmm. and then I had a mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. Um, That's actually when I was first diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder because what I'd realized um, was during the course of my life, I'd sort of figured it out. Like, okay, well, I'm depressed right now, so I'll just hide, and I'll be quiet, and I won't talk to anybody. And then when I, you know, shoot up, shoot up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when my mood elevates, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'll just run around and do all the stuff that I didn't do when I was down. And that that was my schedule for mm. for as long as I can remember. Yeah. I remember when I was like nine, ten years old, I'd stay up all night like reading. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, she's so smart. She reads like five books in a week. She wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then when I was down, uh, all the stuff that I read, like I'd read my textbooks from beginning to end. So the one's time to take an exam or write a paper, I still had that. I was retaining that memory. I wasn't oh, wow. studying or anything. But when I got on tour, you know, the, the, the life, you, you know, dressing room at seven o'clock, show starts at eight, you're on stage for two hours, then you can, you know, whatever. So, and then we're moving around schedule. from city. Yeah, we're moving around from city to city. So I couldn't do what I needed to do to recharge. Like I ah. couldn't, if I was down, I had to just get over it. And I was literally... Uh, doing the show, going back to the hotel, laying on the floor, and just staying there until either we were traveling the next day or we're going back to the, if we're staying in the same city. Um, and I was just doing that over and over again until one day we were in Chicago. Um, I can't remember the name of the theater because now it's Hamilton's there and they changed the name, but oh, it, was, okay. it was that theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went back uh, a couple months ago. Um, and I just couldn't do it. Like I, I usually by the time I made it to the lobby of the hotel, I'd stop crying, I'd get in the zone, I was ready. But for some reason that day, 
for, for a good reason that day. Um, I just couldn't stop crying. I was in my dressing room, couldn't stop crying. And then um, the uh, I had a thing, a back and forth with the with the, with wardrobe because they kept having to take my clothes in because I was I wasn't eating. And uh, she had come in um, to bring me the new uh, what do you call it? Not customized. Uh, the new costume? alterations oh, alterations to my uh, to my outfit. And I was underneath <clears throat> the sink in my dressing room, just crying. And I could not go on that night. Wow. That was, wow. Yeah. And so what happened mm. after that? Like from that point on, how did you ended up getting the help that you needed? Well, uh, they sent me home. Um, it, it feels like the next day, but that feels kind of wrong. You can't just send somebody home after something like that. But I, I remember going home and uh, the, the tour manager um, gave me a list of numbers to call. And um, I... I went home, rested for a little bit. Then the next day, I called some of the numbers, made appointments to go see. I went to go see four doctors in one day because mm-hmm. um, I just want to get back on tour. I want mm-hmm. to go back to work. Mm-hmm. I just need to rest. I just need to sleep. Um, so I remember the first couple of doctors I just lied to. I was like, yeah, I'm just tired. One of them, I walked away with a fear of success diagnosis. Uh, I had an anorexia diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you go in there, you're like, I just want to be normal. Mm-hmm. What's the most normal I can get away with while still being, you know, not okay enough to be to right. be working? Um, and then by the end of it, by the end of that day, I saw Dr. Tiago. Mm. And I sat in her in her chair, and I was just exhausted. I was tired. And I looked there, I was like, I want to lie to you so bad. But I'm, there's something wrong, and yeah. I don't know what it is. And she and I had a little conversation, and... She, I remember this like it was just, I'm writing about it, so of course I remember it. Um, uh, she went to her desk, called a psychiatrist that she works with, and said, go and see him. Um, and I left from her to him, and he's the one who gave me the diagnosis. And I told him he was wrong. Mm. Um, <laughs> because I'd never heard of a black person, number one, having bipolar. Mm-hmm. And then number two, bipolar two, just sounded Made Even up. more crazy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I was like, come Extreme. on. Now I just right. throwing numbers behind stuff. Because I was like, I know what bipolar is, and I don't fit any of that criteria. Right. Uh, and he was like, well, yeah, because it's, it's on a spectrum. And even now, they think there's like a like a three and a four. Um, right, because I mean, to black people, it's either you're crazy or you're not. Exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. You, either you don't got them all or you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And even, even if you say that you are, it's whatever they think that means. You got that's all of it. Right, that's you, what it you're is. You're schizophrenic, now you, everything. You've got all of that like, now. Like, you know he be talking to himself. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nigga, we all be talking to ourselves. Uh, <laughs> wow. True. Um, True. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, so you've been on this journey for a while. How did you How did you begin your nonprofit organization? How did uh, uh, No Shame Day come about? Well, the Seaway Project started because um, a little girl that I had, I, when I first moved to New York, I used to babysit her and her little brother, and uh, she ended her life um, at the age of 15. Mm-hmm. Um, she would be 21 now, so about six years ago. And her name was Siway Monsanto. And um, one of the things that hurt me the most is as I was an advocate, there was somebody that was close to me and I had just spoken to her. I would just seen her, I think about four or five months before she left us. And I, and I talked to her and she was like, I'm okay, I feel great, I'm doing well. And then four or five months later she was gone and I realized that there was so much more that I wanted to do, like me having these one-on-one conversations and yeah. talking about things at my shows. It just didn't feel like it was enough. And I felt like there are so many people who don't have 
the mother that Seaway had and the family that Seaway had who were struggling. And I wanted to figure out how to recreate that that family for people. And and at the time, you know, Twitter and social media was, you know, what people were doing. I mean, they're still doing it. But um, there was a sense of community that was formed there instantaneously. And people were able to talk about things that they wouldn't talk about ordinarily. And so um, mm. No Shame Day was you get 24 hours, 24 hours to just tell your story. 24 hours you've got, I, I was like, 40, 50 people will be listening to you. I didn't know it was going to be as big as it was mm-hmm. that first time. Um, and yeah, it was just for people to tell their stories and to hear stories and to say, oh, wow, that sounds like my mom. Or now I understand my cousin mm-hmm. a little bit better. Or that sounds like me. Wow. Yeah. And those 24 hours, you make the appointment, you 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 tell somebody, you get that help. Um, it's just a 24-hour free space for people. So yeah. That's amazing. I love it. Um, so now you have this book coming out. Yes. And so that is going to be all talked about your story is in, in this book. It's essays, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I want to do with the, because I think like I've told my story so many times. And what I wanted, what I'm doing with this book is I'm telling the story the way it feels to have the experience. So mm. when I'm writing about uh, an anxiety attack, you, I don't want people to have an anxiety attack, but I want you to know what that feels like, yeah. what the words feel like, what the, what, what the body mm. does when you're going through those things. Um, when I'm writing about uh, like a depressive episode, I want you to know what the triggers were. Like I'm showing you somebody said this thing, my brain made it into something else, and I'll take you on that journey, how I got from here mm-hmm. to there. So I want people to really feel it as opposed to just kind of, I kind of get it, I don't get it. Like, no, this is it. Like this is where it goes. This is why when you say this to your to your best friend and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, something else happens. This is what happened. This mm-hmm. is this is where she went with all that. This is where he went with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just hoping that people get like a, a really solid understanding of what this process is and why it's not so easy to snap out of and, and why, you know, just shake it off and take a walk and you should exercise. All that stuff doesn't really yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I thank you so much. So the book is called I'm Telling the Truth, But I'm Lying, which is like a perfect title for someone that deals with uh, these mm. types of disorders. Because um, we're mm. constantly telling the truth, but not the whole truth yeah. or making things up to, to smooth it over. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, so it's, it's an everyday battle, yeah. uh, especially when you're not well. And so it's hard to, to see the the. Uh, the forest through the trees sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but thank I, you for doing this work. Yeah, thank um, you it's, so much. it's so necessary. Um, and so we thank you so much for joining us. You thank have you. been an inspiration to my life. <laughs> Your headphones almost fell off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've been an inspiration to my life in, in so many different ways. And so, you, you know, I've told you before that you've literally saved my life um, on occasion. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, like, and this is so, Amen. because me and, and, and Danye um, have a friendship based off of, um, living in reality and, and lifting each other up and mm-hmm. um so it's just it's great to have both of you here because you guys have literally been two of the people that have saved my life so i'm um, so proud of you i appreciate Honestly, it. like just just your journey and the way that you have constantly found ways to find your morning and to find yeah. your reason to get mm. up and keep going i just i'm so proud of you i appreciate Amen. you i really really do um it's it's 
you know, it's been um, it's been a trial, um, and it's been difficult. Um, but I'm steadily fighting. Here I am. I mean, yeah. this is this is just the beginning. So we're we um, getting our whole thing back. Come on now, um, and <laughs> come so, on. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. But um, Danya, tell us a little bit about your your work, your week this week. You closed Fireflies today. Today was the Fireflies last perform- performance for your off Broadway main on. stage Atlantic Theater we debut. Flew on. Um, What's this week given? What you tell me? I mean, you had a lot going on, didn't I, you? I'm trying to process and think about this week, and this this happened all the time. When we get here, I'm like, wait, what? What did? What well, I mean, I saw, okay, so you had a, I saw you way? had a photo shoot on the set by a really oh, amazing photographer. Oh yeah, um, Peter Bellamy, I think is his name. So mm-hmm. Friday, um, he reached out uh, to me a while ago. Um, he about maybe thirty years ago he started um just taking photos of playwrights on the sets of their plays. Uh like he shot uh Tony Kushner, Stephen Audi Gurgis, uh Tarav McCraney, Lynn Nottage, goes on and on. Like he goes all the way back to he shot um uh Andy Warhol um years oh, wow. ago. And so essentially what he does is that he reaches out to playwright uh from plays that he's seen and that he was touched by, and he asked, he like reached out to the theater as well to see if he can take uh, the playwright's photo on the set of their play. Um, so he came to Atlantic Friday, had everything set up, and he just uh, snapped some photos. I love of it. Me. And it was uh, it was really really dope. So Brandon is also a photographer, and he you and let's see how much of this I can really get because I don't know nothing about technology or none of that <laughs> shit. So let's see how much I really know. So Brandon shoots with digital. Uh, this photographer shoots with film, okay. um, which I hear is older and it takes more work. Yes. Um, and so... It's but, more of a process. Yeah, and, like, and, you know, like people with the the, the red rooms, the, the red light rooms. Yeah, like, he has one of those rooms. Yeah, you have to process all of the, the photos film. and it takes longer. But then also, to add to his process of it taking long as shit, uh, he also... <laughs> um, he takes the film and he converts it to it being digital. Um, so we can have them in both forms. Um, so that was Friday. Um, I'm developing, um, I'm working on a new show, a new project. Um, and so a lot of this week was meeting up, uh, getting that situated and like structuring the show and all of those things. Um, and you wrote a new play. I wrote a new play. Um, cause I've been, I, I think I shared this uh, last week, just, um, and like, I just, just get so upset uh, every time I think about it, but just how these white-ass publications um, send these white-ass critics to critique work by artists of color, mm-hmm. and it's such an abuse of power. It is. And um, it's so frustrating, and I said, what can I do? On on top of, like, writing pieces and, like, using social media to, like, shine light on it and, like, galvanize people as much as I possibly can, um, remembering my artistry as a playwright and I said a nigga will write a play about it Um, okay and so uh this week I shared the play um in class and it went over surprisingly well I didn't think it would now last week we talked to you you were still in the process of writing it Mm -hmm. but then you completed it this week already already and then also like I write really fast okay like I lock myself up 
for days on end. I don't uh, talk to nobody. Drew think oh, I'm being shady, not responding to text messages. Um, but I was writing is, a play. But he is. He he he. Don't like, do he that. put me on mute. Like he he don't muted my text that. messages and were like, because you know how you be just talking like you be in a group text with people and you be talking into a void because nobody's answering. Like that was our group text this week because I'm like, where is everybody at and why is nobody answering me? I'm trying to get shit done. And and and, and meanwhile, me and Amber in our own text like because still going well, on. Amber, <laughs> He's still texting us. <laughs> Amber is not here this week because she's, you know, filming her own short film. She wrote a uh-huh. short film and she's working on Come that through. Week, so. Right, cre- creating her own opportunities, right? So I love it. So she's not here this week because mm-hmm. of that. Um, but I'm going to get into her too. I'm gonna lay into her too for not answering my text message because I'm trying to get the shit done and, and some of the work I was trying to get done involved y'all. Did you get it done? I mean, you know, for the most part, but I still like... Did we get it done? No, y'all didn't get it done because ain't nobody told me. You know, ain't nobody not, told me whether or not y'all was gonna be free or not for you know saying what what we trying to do. And y'all y'all the ones talking about y'all want this party, this New Year's Eve party. I'm free. For, see, you see how easy that was. I just let them know. You know what? And so now you can stop. <laughs> <laughs> but like I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted. Uh, not rudely. You was just interrupted, but not rudely. <laughs> Come on. Let me continue. Um, but yes, no, so uh shared the play, went over well. Um and I think that was the bulk of my week. Okay. I don't think I'm missing anything. No, I mean, you I know, you be not. you be you be busy. Oh, but, my family know. came to see uh Today. flies. Uh so my yes, my uh, mom and dad uh, saw it again for I want to say maybe like the, the fourth or time. sixth time. Yeah, oh my goodness! Um, they went to closing, but so a large ass group about maybe twenty five thirty deep yesterday. My family saw oh, wow. the matinee, um, which was really nice. And then afterward, Chow, they loved them some do? BBQs. <laughs> <laughs> they love them, and I'd be so wore over it because you don't so, drink. So, mind you, uh, the theater is like in Chelsea. So I'm like, oh, know how much they love BBQs? Or y'all can go to the BBQs on like 23rd and 8th. They said, no, we got to go to the one in Times Square because that's where everybody. That's <sighs> why is the one in Times Square? Why? Because like for family that haven't been to New York or oh, since they don't come, goodness. like for them that's a thing. Yeah. For me, that's a. Hell no. Yeah, like it's, um, it's bothersome. Exactly. And so, yeah, I met them afterward. Oh, um, not Times Square, though. When Times the, the, Square. The gay BBQs is right there. Right there. And I'm like, y'all can go there. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, like it's 20, so close. It's literally like the a five-minute walk. And they're like, no, we got to go to the one in Times Square because that's where everyone is going to want to go. And I'm like, fine. Oh, my God. And, like, and then also, can I just share y'all my mom? I love your mom so much. Oh, my mom who be doing the utmost, but it's all coming from a proud mom place. Mm -hmm. So she, like, uh, three days ago, she um, texts me, Donye, like, I know you're so busy, but can you please write uh, thank you cards to everybody who's coming? Because I'm giving everybody gift bags. Oh, that is so nice. <laughs> she made a whole trip out of it. She made a whole trip. What, did they all get on the bus or they drove? Uh, they drove. And so yesterday, I'm just at my desk just writing, writing all these gift cards. Know. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes. Look, mama said, look, you got to do you this. Need to, you need to make sure you thank your family for I, coming. And, and literally, I was like, mom, I can literally say thank you when I see everybody. Right. Give them a hug. No. She's like, no, you got to write them all a card. It's the thought. Yes. 
Come yeah, on. It's the thought. It's the thought she that throw that one out. They're going to treasure that. See, now they ain't going to be begging you for autographs when they see you on the, you know, on the you TVs know and the big screen. They're going to be like, what? I got, he already thanked me. <laughs> I got my thing. And they whip out Right. See, that's my cousin. Right. Thanks to mama. She done, she done saved you. You don't even realize that she done saved she you. Did. She didn't realize That's what mamas do. Yeah. So that was my week. I love it. Come through. Um, How about you? Well, well, this week was uh, interesting to me. Um, it was about you know learning life lessons. You begin tradier and tradier. What do you mean? Giving trade tees. <laughs> tradier and tradier. <laughs> With his fitted, his sweats, he be getting tradier well, and know, tradier. I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the gym a lot more often, so uh-huh. I'm, I like to be in comfortable clothes, especially if I come from the gym or if I'm on my way to the gym. So that's I can what the trades say. I can live in a tracksuit all day. <laughs> um, but I'm in, just some, I'm in some sweats today. Like Come through. I can't, I can't tell you. You got Tim's on? No, these are Jordans. <laughs> <laughs> I got my J's on Come today. Through. Um, but no, I um, this week was just really about um, being grateful and listening to um, listening to my my first instincts and my mm. and also um, paying attention to the energy around me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had just some instances this week, you know, with life. Life happens to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and God was trying to send me a particular message and I wasn't listening mm-hmm. um, because I was so preoccupied by something else. Um, and so I was preoccupied by something else and, and God kept hitting me over the head with this same thing. Um, and I wasn't getting it until he attached a monetary blessing to oh, it. Wow. So a monetary blessing came my way and it all began to click for me. Come on through. Um, and, and you know, without going into like, you know, real deep details, it was just um, a great life lesson to learn. It, it focused my energy, allowed me to get a lot more work done this week. Um, I, I've planned, you know, this year the, the rest of this year going into next year and, and I'm really excited about the things that I have in store so yeah come through um, when God give the coin yeah well, you listen come through when, when give, God listen, give the coin and, and he knew exactly it was Woo. right on time um, but it was attached to the work that I do amen um, and so I don't know if you notice I've been you know inching in a little bit here and there mm-hmm. with more more um, stuff from the website and also you know we did a giveaway this week for Vineyard Theater mm-hmm Gave away two tickets to Good Grief. If you haven't seen Good Grief, you saw Good Grief? I'm seeing it this week. Okay. I'm, when, what night are you going? Uh, I'm going Wednesday. To you sure? It'll, it'll either be Wednesday or Thursday. Well, how, when are you going to know for certain? Um, I don't know. Okay. Because I know whatever day I don't see Good Grief is the day I'm going to be seeing uh, Eve's song. Okay. Um, let me know when you go see Good Grief because okay. I'll go again. I'm going okay. again this week too, but we're also giving away two tickets. So uh, you, the person that won should know tonight uh, if they through. won. So make sure that you you know check your email and check your, your DMs. I'll send you that message. And I'm so thankful for everybody that entered the competition. The show is really, really great. And Guzzi mm. Yamu is the, the playwright and she also stars in it. And it's something different, something unique. It's a different perspective. First uh, generation Nigerian American. Uh, oh, shit. Um- can we cast in this? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit, damn yeah. fuck. Um, and Guzzi is a wonderful player. Have you seen the show? All of it. No. Um, you want to go this week? Yes. Okay. Come through. Um, yeah. Wait, when? What, what night you want to I can't go? do Wednesday, but okay. any other night I'm good. Okay. So then Thursday. So you're going to go on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go on Thursday. Okay. Let's just set it. So we're going to go on Thursday, Thursday y'all. <laughs> so if you uh, want to go with us, make sure you get your tickets for um, Good Grief at Vineyard Theater. We're going to go this Thursday. So that's the off book night, y'all. Like, don't play around we want to see you there get your tickets it's a bet later down it's Nick a what Norman 91 betting on me now I'm young call him nigga with the golden sound you know <laughs> if you don't get your Nicki Minaj ass first of all it's Mason Betha who more money more problems right Harlem world what 
I don't, I don't know what you You don't know about. Mace? Don't know Mace. Know. I no, thought you said Mace. I'm like, who is Mace? Then? I said his full name, his full Mace government. Come on now. I bad don't like boys. You. I don't Chris like Chris know what you. I'm talking about. Oh, you ready to write the See? bad boy? You re- <laughs> of course Chris, Chris knows what you're talking about. Chris that's in all the background Chris playing. I'm like, yep. That's all that's all Chris being here playing. Come but, through. Okay, so you really ready to write the bad boys? You better musical. believe it. I'm okay. Like, this is my idea. <laughs> and I will be so hyped <laughs> because you be so hyped because I know it's gonna come back. It's gonna haunt me, and it's gonna be. A, it's a, gonna haunt me. It is because I'm not gonna be able to let it go now. So I'm gonna be able. I have to really like you know get on it so that way we can make sure that mm-hmm. this this comes to fruition. Because you know we need a we need a bad boy musical. And, and when we do it, I'm gonna. I'm gonna break out in my acting again. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm here for that. I'm gonna be Diddy. You don't want to be, <laughs> but if I'm Diddy, you gotta be Faith. I, I'm, hey, I, you know, I'm all about. Him. Listen, I'm all about. I remember. Come through. The other Come through. Day. I will get into all right, Faith. Faith. I got it. I got it. I could do that. I can just see you right now with that blonde wig. I was thinking more red. I Ooh. could do red. I could do blonde. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I'll put the mole in there. Like you don't, know what? You know don't what? Do me. Don't do me. <laughs> don't do me. Come through. <laughs> Come through. Um, uh, but yeah. So uh, speaking of, um, we talked about what we did. Oh. Lights Out on Broadway, I went to that on Monday. Mm. Lights Out on Broadway was so dope this mm-hmm. past week. Uh, it just came back. It's been gone for a while. It's an open mic night that, that used to be around, and now it's coming back. At Haswell Greens, I think that's, what, 51st Street um, and 8th Avenue, and it's just like Angela Burchett and the B-Side Band, um, mm. they hosted, and, and it's an amazing, amazing um, open mic night by uh, produced by Chandra, um, Chandra Prophet yeah. and Derek Davis. Chandra was on the show. From um, the Lion King, yeah, yeah, from the yeah. Lion King. She had a baby just recently, oh, so she yeah. she produces that along with Derek Davis, who was in Carousel. He was on the Phantom tour, um, so it's just a, a dope, dope open mic night, and they resurfaced it. And when I tell you, they it's were been singing. going for a minute, right? It's been going for a minute, like no, almost a year and a half, almost two years. Yeah, like 2016 is the last time it happened, but it was wow. at a place that a restaurant that closed down, uh-huh. so it was like on 42nd yeah, and 8th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, at a place called Herbo, but now it's um, at Haswell Greens. That's on 51st Street and 8th. And it's popping. And it is popping. Popping. Um, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, that, well, I won't, I won't, I won't say it, but, because I don't like to talk about stuff What's like before, it, before it's like locked in, but okay. it's just, just know that it would be good. Um, yeah, so if you get a chance, make sure you go to um, the Lights Out on Broadway on Monday nights. It usually start around 8 p.m. And they, when I tell you they sing, they sing. They sing their faces. They off. sing, yeah. Mm-hmm. So get into that. Um, speaking of you talking about you know your play about white critics mm-hmm. and um, you know how they be just be reckless and you know saying all sorts of crazy perpetually shit perpetually reckless. Uh, we, well, oh, we can, well no. It's, I said what I said. I was about to go into the hot topic. Hot topic because that King Kong review. We'll get to that. But the King Kong review. Did you read the King Kong review? No, I'm getting into reviews. Oh my goodness. Well, it was a it was a big fire. So it was a big shit storm this week about reviews. I can like imagine. Um, but King Kong. Okay, so we'll go back. Give me a black writer, then I'll read it. But <laughs> hello, um, we'll talk. Well, but we know we had you wasn't here when we had Christiani. On. No, she, I so wasn't. She star, okay, so she stars in the show. But okay, we'll come back to that. But right now, it's I said what I said, okay. and it's your turn today. Let me get this ready, y'all. So uh, hold on. I, well, I told you already how we yeah. do this. So we he's gonna read a monologue. I'm mad. I couldn't read one. 
Ooh. Well, I mean, you can if you want to. You got one? <laughs> I mean, I've got like, a lady in red. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Look, look, <laughs> <laughs> look, you ready. I do. I got that Bo Willie Brown. Uh, Bo Willie Brown, is that his name? Mm-hmm. I got that. Come through. I'm not going to do it, though. Not some professionals around. Because, like, now oh, we please. Know. You oh. professional. Come on. Look, she tried to scratch up her face. Come on. You're a professional. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> okay, what is you got? Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You ever thought about running away? Grace's ass always talking about running away now that Massa did. And I'm like, bitch, you need to calm your busybody ass down. Haven't she seen these slave catchers got these new dogs nowadays that can fly and who are trained to fucking drag your ass off trees and carry you back? And then, even if you can outsmart these flying dogs once you free, what you gonna do once you free, what you're going to do is you're going to go to somebody's house and be like, hey, I'm a slave. Help me. <laughs> that kind of naivete is how niggas get killed. I ain't never met a white person in my life who try and help you escape from slavery. Like, you know, Grace is such a mess. <laughs> Grace is crazy. Um, <laughs> where that's from? Um, <laughs> I don't like how you said that. Where that's from? I want to know where that's from. We know where that's from. Um, okay, so it's it's obviously about slaves. <laughs> obviously about slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but also it sounds like modern. It sounds contemporary yeah. as fuck. Like yeah, like it's a parody. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'd be loving the script analysis part of this segment. Come through, y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't stand you. So I love it. About, it's exciting. She talking. I know you are excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're killing me right now. Get on my nerves. Um, so, can you ask questions? <laughs> yeah. Quit saying. Mm-hmm. What am I gonna say? <laughs> like, yes, nigga. <laughs> you are cracking um, up. Uh, so she talking about Grace. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Like, who is Grace? Is it a show that's currently on Broadway? No. Mm-mm. But it's been on Broadway. Not on Broadway. Off. Off Broadway. Off Broadway. Mm-hmm. This um a octoroon? Okay. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Brandon Brandon Jacob Jenkins. Jenkins. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Come through. <laughs> I knew y'all was gonna get it. Yeah, I'm so glad I got it. I like this game. Let's do another one. It's fun, right? <laughs> it is yes. fun. They put you through it. So well we'll I have to figure out how we can do more because this I mean, it's like it's a lot like it's a lot to find a monologue and like try to make sure nobody gets it but I'm surprised I got this one yeah I feel like one well it's it's, it's so now with two things I think we should do we mm-hmm. should have one episode where we just be answering listening letters we talked about that before okay. I think that would be really really dope and then I think it should be another episode where it's just nothing but monologues and we be guessing so okay. like you Amber and I bring in like three or four monologues each and we and just, just go, go around Okay, That's we can fun. do that. That is fun. That sounds fun. So, yeah. so y'all, y'all I'm heard excited. Don I'm excited, y'all. Well, he's really excited. <laughs> so y'all heard that we're gonna come in and just like pre-record two episodes. If y'all want to uh, have us answer one of your questions, by all means, just email us at offbook at broadwayblack.com. Uh, let us know. You know, we know it's gonna be a dissertation, so get all your feelings Child. out. You know, tell me at the beginning if you don't want me to say your name. Like I need to know that up front because I know I don't listen or read the <laughs> read the listener letters until. I'm right on the right, 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 right then, right. So and names be having to be bleeped, right. So I would prefer not to have you know names bleep. We try to go through at least one episode mm-hmm. without. I think last week we got through an episode without no bleeps, right? No, we were bleeped. We were mm-hmm. no, we wasn't. Chris, were we bleeped last week? 
Oh, okay. We did. <laughs> you literally talking about that right now. <laughs> right, right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So uh-huh. that, that happened last week. <laughs> Bleepity bleep. Um, so we try not to, you know, we want to get through an episode without bleeping anybody. But please email us. We want to hear from you. No question is stupid. No question is too long. We promise you. We just be joking. Um, so all No book- question is too ghetto. Well, ain't, we ain't, ain't no, no, we ain't ghetto. Black people are not ghetto. I live for ghetto, though. Um, There's nothing wrong with being ghetto. Well, I don't like the connotation that. What connotation comes to mind for you? Um, I just don't. I don't like. I don't like it. I don't know. So you don't like being black people being referred to as ghetto, even if it's can we ourselves? just be black? Yeah, can we just be black? Like it. It doesn't have to be. I don't know. It doesn't have to be like a, a sub a subsequent. I'm for the fullness of blackness, and if that means someone is ghetto and their fullness of blackness, you can be as yeah. ghetto as fuck. If you want to be bougie in your fullness I just don't of blackness, like I don't you can like be bougie the, as fuck. I don't like the. Talk to me. I don't like the the word that um I don't know. It just it just doesn't feel great for me. I think cuz it's you well, can, can No, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, By all means, like yeah, chime in. I, I think because it's used so regularly in a certain connotation yes. that when it's taken out, out you can't that. help but go back and in your mind, the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I get it. Because I'm not I like all types of black people and the black people that people would consider ghetto are the people mm-hmm. that I'm really trying to reach and yeah. touch and because mm-hmm. I'm a part of that you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying like I'm country as fuck yeah. I can be considered I guess you can say ghetto but I just don't like that connotation that comes with it I'm not saying that you brought that mm-hmm. yeah. and you said that but just like I don't know just off of instinct I'm and not, not saying that that you're doing this but then oftentimes and I even in myself like I have to unpack shit which is how much of it is is me uh, no not you how much of it is like draped in whiteness yes. right? right so like whenever we talk about ghetto are we talking about what white people think of black people being ghetto right. or are we really just thinking about it just in terms of ourselves and how we think about it right yeah. so I try to just strip any whiteness away from anything that is us so when I say ghetto it's a celebration it's pride so you can't be too ghetto just be your full self right okay I feel you on that but yeah like so that's yeah. just where nigga be coming from I mean I, I know where you be coming mm-hmm. from but I'm like I still be I tense up a little bit like yeah, I don't real. want like you know what I'm saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess because I come from a, a place of that perception is um, is reality for a lot of people what mm-hmm. they perceive you to be mm-hmm. is is a real space for them and yeah. so um, and also you know developing a, developing a brand that could not be ever seen as ghetto Mm -hmm. like Broadway Black would not be able to be um, what it is or be able to go places if it was seen as ghetto and that's Mm -hmm. also maybe that's something that deals with me and and my perception of what um, perfection is or you know Mm -hmm. my own issues and it's also about accessibility too because when you think about what Broadway is and you think about Mm -hmm. who has access to to Mm -hmm. theater and who has access to that life it's it's different Um, but there are certain words that, that, that existed in a certain way. Like, I grew up in Oklahoma, so the first time I heard nigga, wasn't, it wasn't good. Mm, right. So when I moved to the D.C. area and I started hearing black folks use it for each other, it took me a really long time to sort of switch my brain mm-hmm. and remove whiteness from the conversation mm-hmm. in order to, to accept it and to, to hear it the way that it was, it was intended yeah. When when black folks say it amongst each other, and I think ghetto is kind of that same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and I and I'm and you know now that we're talking about it, I mean I am, I want to be able to be, I want to be able to remove that sort of white gaze from my mm-hmm. yeah. subconscious. But it's work. Um, it, it is. And so when it doesn't happen, it's like yeah, be kind to yourself because it's work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then also in in this particular space in dealing with theater, where 
you have to be so it's like we have to live three different lives you have to live you know your own life as a black person you have to, mm-hmm. you have to live a a career life of of being you know politically politically correct and professional uh yeah. under these you know white standards or white eurocentric professionalism standards um and you know you can't say the wrong thing can't do the wrong thing can't dress the right you know the wrong way or um it it's and then on top of that you're trying to create art and trying yeah. to live in a space of of fullness in that um so it's, it's just really a a a weird place to be but also it's it's a lot of different lanes to manage in a yeah. way yeah being black is like is like a, a, a multitasking ass way mm. of life mm. yeah and it's you know what though sorry i i was thinking about this the other day the difference between a play and a stage play. Like, stage play has a Well, you know whole. I love a stage play. <laughs> <laughs> you know I love a stage play. <laughs> and like, yes. and that's why I don't like us calling it the Chitlin Circuit. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about that before, too. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like the negative connotation that we put on different things just because it was built in a black foundation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, just because, you know, cer- certain styles or certain... Uh, ways of life were built in a black foundation, then it can be considered ghetto. Yeah, and it's it's I don't I just don't feel great about that. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying even though we can celebrate being ghetto and we can celebrate, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ghetto culture or what have you, but I just don't like, I don't like it. I I just don't. I don't yeah. know. I'm, but then that's when the work comes into play when you right. have to like unpack and you have to like change and shift. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be poof. Now things have changed, and Chitlin Circuit doesn't mean this, and it right. means that, and Ghetto doesn't mean this, and it doesn't mean that. What I'm think, what, so what just came came to mind was I think it might have been last week or the week before when you were talking about like, and this was a status that you did, looking for and waiting for the day when Broadway blacks like poor quotes would be like that boy good, right, right, like things like that to me that I would think, be considered like, ghetto though. It can be. And also for me, like I said, I talked about for me, ghetto is celebrating the fullness of blackness. Mm-hmm. I see that being one of the one of the things where it's celebrating the fullness of blackness, where like you aren't wavering, where you aren't having to write reviews in a way that is palatable for whiteness. Right. But because you're writing reviews for black people. And if a white motherfucker reads it, consider yourself lucky to be getting such a full black ass review. Yeah. Like that's what comes to mind for me when I think about these things. But yeah. I feel you. Um, I guess you know I'm always looking at it from both sides of mm-hmm. both sides of the coin, just because of the fact that I, I have to, mm-hmm. um, and you know unpacking certain things that don't feel comfortable for me, but they should. They should feel comfortable for mm-hmm. me. I should be okay with. But it doesn't have to, too, because mm-hmm. I think that we have we have every right, just like white people do, to have all these experiences mm-hmm. be part of the black experience. Mm-hmm. So if you're not comfortable with it, and you are. Yeah. Everybody's still black. You right. know what I mean? End of the day. Yeah. Right. At the yeah. end of the day. Same way that, that white folks don't have to be accountable for every faction of their mm-hmm. of their whiteness because it's the standard. Mm-hmm. So our standard is also just as diverse. Yeah. I love it. Um, well, speaking of diversity and also just this, this discussion. That we, conversation. <laughs> right. But, you know, I think that's necessary yeah. for us to have those types of things. I mean, you know, because people, you know, are always on different sides and different mm-hmm. opinions um not the saying that there are like different sides in that but you know just difference of opinions and i like yeah. to discuss things like that so um one of the just having that sort of discussion 
people having differences of opinions. Um, when we go and see theater, we also have differences of opinions. We yeah. we see different things because of our lived experiences yeah. and we experience and, and certain things resonate with us and certain things don't, uh, depending on that. Yeah. Um, so this week, one of the major, like, things that were like in an uproar for the theater community was the uh, King Kong review. Uh, King Kong opened on Broadway this week and uh, the New York Times review was um, atrocious to say the least. Um, it sounded, it was basically a transcript of a key key conversation between two old white men. Mm. Um, the name of the review was called King Kong is the Mess That Roared. Um, wow. And they started off the conversation with basically describing the play with one word um, and they couldn't even give one word. They gave sound effects. So it was like, ugh, or ugh. Wow. Like, that was, like, literally, that's the beginning of this conversation. So it's a transcript, and it's like they've deviated from their normal way of doing reviews. So usually they send one review writer, but this one they sent two review writers to sort of cover it because it was a, trying to say that it was because it was such, King Kong is such a massive uh, um, a massive character in the, mm -hmm. in the, the play. So it's, it's, Okay, so if you haven't seen any of the pictures or anything of King Kong, um, the Broadway uh, show, it is a puppet. It's a humongous puppet, I mean, that's run and, and moved by like 20 people during mm -hmm. the show. So it's it, that is like the main attraction of the show. They're doing something really, really different. Um, it's it's really crazy. I mean, the, the, the gorilla is huge. huge. <laughs> like, huge. it is huge um, like how they make that well they i mean they had a vision mm. and when i tell you it looks it looks really coin. yeah like it looks like it was 35 million dollars um but the whole musical was it, it cost hologram? 30. no it's not a hologram it's a puppet it's, it's a, a real it's a like it's 20 people are on stage moving that thing because um, mind you she just she's looking it up on her phone right, right she, now and she saw it and she like wait this for real for real it is attached to some strings and some some cords and people are actually moving that thing and um, if you listen to the show the round table episode Christiani Pitts was on that mm -hmm. episode and she's the main um, the the star of the show she's the, the female um, star the ingenue her name is Ann Darrow um, in the musical and usually played by a white woman but okay, it's played by I, a, that's where I was yeah she's usually yeah. played by a white woman but okay. they cast and this whole cast is really uh, multicultural there's a lot of you know different race and a lot of black people in there um, so shout out to them being Broadway mm -hmm. black a lot of them making their Broadway oh, debuts oh, and we're proud of them uh, for doing the work and, and, and being a part of something new and something monumental um, now the show has not gotten any good reviews mm. um, at it, all at all oh wow um, I I I am pressed to say that maybe there might be one, but I just don't remember who. Mm -hmm. um, but it just hasn't, you know, gone over well. But some people are really enjoying it. So there are, like, some fans. You know, there's always going to be those you know, people that are like, oh, I love the show. You know, I really, mm -hmm. I mean, it does something for somebody. Yeah. Um, but is it enough to make a profit? Mm -hmm. um, so that is always the question. But this particular review was just unnecessary. Um, they tag-teamed this review with Ben Brantley and Jesse Green, um, who are the two top... New York Times review writers and they just went in on this show like I don't even want to say all the stuff that they've said because it's really irrelevant um, to me um, but people were just up in arms about it and I just don't um, I'm, I'm like I'm not surprised like I don't read the Times reviews just because I know that nobody writing the review over there is writing it for me mm -hmm. um, or they're not um, they're not they don't have my life experience they don't have me in mind so I can't really read somebody's critique for a show that that 
may be built for them or, you know, may not be built for me or may be built for me and they just don't understand it. Um, we've had this discussion several times over, you know, the, the New York Times reviewed one of my favorite shows, Invisible Thread, back in, back in the day and, and did not give it a favorable review, which was like crazy to me. But it was my life experience mm-hmm. that led me um, to really love that show. So um, what do you think, Danya, this particular them? I mean, they really went in like. On this and show. I will never know because I will not be reading it. <laughs> um, but so a few things come to mind. Um, I know we've talked about this often, um, and I'll say it time and time again. Until there is a more inclusive staff, a more diverse staff um, on the Times, you will hear Donye say, uh, fuck the Times. Mm. Um, in particular, like, fuck their theater uh, reviews. Um, because when you have a theater world that exists with so many facets of life and lived experience, that means not just white, not just straight, um, not just male. And if you have this homogenous staff of writers that does not reflect the work that's being presented, then there will already undoubtedly be reviews that are going to miss the mark completely. Mm-hmm. So I remember when uh, a few mm-hmm. weeks ago um, for the American Theater, Theater Critics Association when they asked me to come and speak, like I said, a completely white-ass room. Yeah. Um, and I told that white-ass room that y'all need to do a better job. It needs to be some sort of system where this room looks more like the room that we're in right now. Right. right? This more diverse, um, this more inclusive. And... Like, so that's the thing that's so frustrating about what's happening is when will it change? Like, what does that look like? And I'll be 100% transparent. Like, right now I'm frustrated at this segment because we're giving uh, the New York Times power by even talking about it. So the more that they're on our lips, the more that we talk about it, the more power that they're going to have. And I know it's like a double-edged sword because we we need to uh, do whatever you want to call it, a calling out or a calling in, but some sort of calling needs to happen. But at the same time, like, when do we say enough is enough fuck the bullshit I'm not even going to address anything that you're saying right now because you're not talking for me you're not addressing you're not uh, uh, speaking of my point of view and it's like when will that happen like what does that look like like what is a New York Times blackout what is a blackout for these publications who do not reflect what again this from there and right now looks like I understand that I mean the New York Times has been around Bossy, what do you think? I mean, they've they've been forever around forever, and yeah. so we've given we've it has given, a, it has a, it has a power. It has right. it has a it has a prestige to it um, that I don't think can because I want to, one one of my random dreams is to be a New York Times bestseller because that's what I've been told is mm-hmm. a marker of something. Of success. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So so in in that regard, it it means something to me. I think I think rather than 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 questioning the uh, the institution i question who is responsible for the institution mm-hmm. so where are the i mean i think we're all we are all playing into the we're all playing into what the hype has been built into the times. It's, it's um, prestigious in, right. in a way and why it's prestigious you know that's that's a whole other conversation to have but I mean, it's built on white supremacy. It's built yeah. on. Yeah, but can I ask a question? I'm mm-hmm. not because I'm literally just hearing about this this show King right Kong. now. Uh-huh. So what's the? Is it is it is it uh, helmed by by black people? Like this, it is an all pretty much an all white 
male creative team. Okay. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's Broadway. Okay. True and true. But like, like the people who you see on stage, like that's the diverse element. Yeah. But behind the scenes, uh-huh. it's what it typically is. So I mean, I I read, yeah. I skimmed, yeah. I skimmed the the review you were talking about, and it, it felt harsh. Um, but what's the difference between it being just a show they didn't like and then the critique? I I truly don't understand. Well, um, there there really wasn't a critique in there. Right. There wasn't any type of of. Um, it was just making fun of it, right? Yeah, it's it basically like what yeah. you know. I would, I would, I don't want to say like what we do because I mean we really don't make fun of of shows. But I mean we, it was just basically like a banter, like between friends yeah. that was just not necessary for or not of what New York Times has it's usually done. Not constructive, done. not constructive, right? Yeah. And, and so I anytime that's, that that's, that's the, the main thing, thing. Yeah. yeah. Anytime that you know we've talked about something, I think that we've also said how it could have been better. What is the constructive? Uh, feedback of the show, you know how things didn't really resonate because with us because of certain things. This was just like, oh, this was bad, and she couldn't scream, and yeah, the, the, the cocktails were better than the show, and and the just, review you know, bitchy shit. doesn't match what the level of prestige at the New York Times. It's like they didn't even consider it worth right. writing about. Right, like they is, just basically yeah. took a transcript of a conversation yeah. at the bar, and after not a the very show. interesting conversation. It wasn't. I mean, it, it really wasn't interesting at yeah. all. Um, and then the problem lies when these reviewers, um, and this is not just speaking about uh, For the Times, but just in general at a lot of these publications, but specifically since we're talking about the Times, about the Times, is that when these reviewers, when you can read the review and you feel the elitism, yeah. you yeah. feel the privilege yeah. in the review, yeah. Yeah. as if to say that, I know that I can say this because of who I am and because of the power mm-hmm. that I have. And not just really critiquing, giving constructive criticism about the work, but letting the privilege speak, letting the elitism speak. And I'll have no problem if someone doesn't like the work. Yeah. And if they were to say at the top of a review, this is not my cup of tea. Yeah. But this is what I have to say about it. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, it critiques that's like the, the element of feminism in it and and almost like that thing that white white men are doing now where anything that has any element of not centering them uh-huh. is, oh, a pro- is yeah, oh a now big. now they're just throwing contemporary issues into right. everything yeah i got i definitely picked it's, that up yeah it's 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 really weird um but i've been saying this forever like why are we even giving ben brantley and and you know jesse green and the new york times so much like so much smoke, like we're giving them so much, uh, we're pumping them up so much. Like yeah. I just don't understand that I've never, they've never really been here for us to begin with. Yeah. And so to to put them on a pedestal where we expect, we expect so much better of you. I, I, I this is exactly <laughs> what I expect from you because this is what uh. you've shown me that you've given um, time and time again, especially on pieces that directly affect me yeah. or directly affect you know people in the trans community and 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 people um in the the LGBTQ community and and you know just people that are out on a limb doing their best to create something different and something new. I think that's really what this was. Their heart was in a place and they were and creating shit is hard. Yeah. Um it's difficult and so um you know it's one thing to have an opinion and and you know I put my mouth on stuff all all the time. Like, y'all talk about stuff that I don't like, mm-hmm. but I also give people the opportunity to go and, and view the shows for themselves. Like, mm-hmm. go and see this for yourself. Make a decision for yourself. Um, but this was my experience. Yeah. However, I, I, I just feel like being constructive and, and being um, 
coming coming with a solution instead of just talking about, oh, this was bad, this was bad, this is bad. Um, how could have been better is yeah. the main thing. So, And at the core of it, like always, is like white supremacy running deep, right? And then to the point, to the degree of, like, I don't even know, and maybe they do, but like, I don't even know if like they're aware of it because they're just so used to having this amount of power. Right. They're so used to just spewing their privilege and their elitism over every single thing. And like I said, like that is the biggest issue that when you have these people that have so much privilege and like elitism and power coming to view work, that they have absolutely no lived experience or understanding of, then it naturally will be this disconnect. And the only reviews that will be favorable and that will be good um, are reviews that they can see themselves attached to that they can see themselves reflected in yeah uh there's a petition going around saying that you know uh ben brantley needs to be uh retired uh it says this is by project am i right and it says ben brantley we need to talk respectfully it's time to discuss your retirement the american theater is uh, inundated with privileged opinions of cisgender white men and yours is the loudest of them all that in itself is not the problem. The problem is that your reign is harm production seeking to empower voices that you don't care to understand. And the damaged uh, and damage the careers of performers who dedicate themselves to telling new stories from new perspectives, perspectives which you consistently disregard as unimportant and, ir- and irrelevant to the way you interpret a piece of theater. Instead, your amplified voice spouts tone-deaf snark and uncalled-for rudeness. To be a critique is not to to be a critic is not to critique uh, Wait, to be a critic is to critique, not merely to mock and dismiss from a high perch of uh, infinite of aloofness. A couple of things stood out lately, most recently a fairly unprofessional, moderately uh, inexplicable transcript of a bitch session with a friend billed as your review of King Kong. Mm -hmm. Um, They go on to talk about how it just doesn't have a place in the theater, um, and he has a platform and position of unrivaled power. um, Unlike any other in the theater industry, and with that power, he has a chance to charge uh, to lead the charge to change American theater for better, um, and he's not doing that basically. And so we want somebody else. If they're going to be in this position of power, they need to be able to charge for it. And I think it's time that the New York Times goes. I mean, and uh, not just the Times, but all different publications go with um, trying to find review writers that are uh, going to be able to have a a be able to come to an intersection with all the things that are happening mm-hmm. on, in the theater space. Um, yeah. and I agree a hundred percent with like what was said, and then also like. Going back to what I was saying, backtracking a bit, just in terms of like maybe them not understanding their uh, like privilege, power, the white supremacy of it all. Like I backtrack on that and I um, eat my words because I, I think about there was a critic uh, at the Times, um, Charles something was his last Charles name. Underwood. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so he or was Urshwood or yeah, something. he was uh, leaving the Times, and the Times had an opportunity. To, hire. to to, to mm-hmm. really be able to show and to reflect what the full scope of the theater world is, what the full scope of the world is. Do you think they did that? Absolutely no. not, because they hired another another white man. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that lets you know what they think, what they believe, and how they're going to continue to navigate uh, reviewing. And I've said this before as well. I have absolutely no problem, or rather, I would have no problem with uh, the Times uh, reviewing work um, and sending uh, people who may not be of the same lived experience to review work if the staff looks so more diverse than it looks right now. If there was uh, black folks, if there was uh, 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 Hispanic folks, Asian folks, uh, more queer folks, trans folks, disabled mm-hmm. folks um, on staff, 
then I would be like, okay, they are making an attempt, but it doesn't look like that at all. Mm. So they're not making an attempt. They're not at all. Um, but they need to be. But we're gonna move on. Thank um, God. <laughs> listen, because it's it's draining. Like I said again, it's it's difficult. But I also am an advocate for trying to groom and build black review writers because they they're just not in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you and I've said this too before, if you know of anybody that is a black review writer, please, we want to be educated. We want to be knowledgeable. Please make sure I'm not leaving anybody out because I would love to, to know. Smith, I got to shout her right. out again. Yeah, once again, because that's what we know. <laughs> she lives in Atlanta, Georgia. But so. you know what, though? What you do with this podcast is you give people the um, just the idea that it's possible. Because yeah. a lot of times we don't know. That's the main thing. Yeah, we don't know that that's a th- like when I look back on all the things that I didn't know that I could have been doing if I just knew that they even existed, yeah. you know, and yeah. so conversations like this, like, wow, that's a thing that exists. I like this and I like to review and I like, you know, mm-hmm. I love the theater and like putting yeah. that all together for them is definitely doing something for the next generation or wave. Yeah. That's so true. Um, so literally like the day, like when we recorded last week, like literally as soon as I got out the studio, there was a story that, came out it was uh happening in the UK um that well in Great Britain that a, a man named Anthony uh, Lennon <laughs> why are you laughing I think I know what you about to say but go ahead um Anthony Lennon is uh a director for a black led theater um and he has won a grant mm-hmm. um but he is a white man it's he's won a grant that was specifically for black people um, and um, he identifies as a white man. There, he said, "There's no doubt um, that I have some African ancestry." There's no doubt. Um, there is no doubt. <laughs> um, but he won this. Um, he won this award for uh, the he arts. He scammed Eagle. his way into the award. <laughs> well, he said he came back with an, a, a, a statement saying, "I will not allow anyone who can't accept or understand my life to be relevant to my existence." Um, so he's pretty much brushing it off and, and like basically doubling down saying yeah, that ain't some privilege yet. <laughs> he said, however black you might feel, it is unethical and uh, Im- well, not him. Uh, actress said, however black you might feel, it is unethical and immoral to access funding that is specifically meant for actual black people. Um, I'm shocked that people are actually entertaining this nonsense. That was uh, Kalichi Okafor, um, an actress in the UK. Uh, the leave to claim Kalechi. back. Kalechi, I'm sorry. She's, uh, I know she is. She does. Uh, she's a dancer too. Yeah. Oh, is she? Yeah. Sorry, guys. No, go, no, you let us come. Know. No, 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 no yeah, yeah. Um, we follow each other on, on Twitter. Kalechi. Come through, Kalechi. Yeah. Um, she's, yeah, she's there. People are upset because he's a white man. He has mm-hmm. two white parents. There's also a clip from coming out from like back in the 80s where he uh, was talking <laughs> about having two white parents, but they couldn't believe it because he's so, you know, black adjacent because he looks black to a lot of people. What's his Let's name? Look, uh, Anthony His name Lennon. Is Rachel Dulazar. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone uh, must know. <laughs> but uh, he's, I mean, he's clearly, this man is white, y'all. <laughs> Let me see. I'm him. looking Let at him. see his white ass. Um, yeah, I want to see. He white. This, yeah, he he's a white man. Like, but he look he looked like uh, Michelle Williams' husband. <laughs> oh. Wait, so his his middle name is. I yeah, he's well. He's, he um he. I think he took on that name. That's not uh, like. See, see, <laughs> they be playing. I'm sitting here like, well. I don't think that's his. I've seen. Pe- they be been... playing. They be scamming. Oh man. Um, he said, "Yes, I do have white parents, but I have African ancestry too." 
If you don't get out my face. He looks like a straight up, like, soccer hooligan. So this is what. Do you know what I mean? Like the ones that be fighting. <laughs> yes, soccer hooligan. The main thing is that I'm mad that he took this grant for black people. Like, this is basically money out of black people's pockets that, that should have went to fuel art oh, form. 100,000 pounds? Uh, listen. Oh, I need ancestry DNA. He I is need... given full colonizer realness. Wow. <laughs> Literally. He is. Um, Wait, uh, sorry. It said his parents are white, but people who met Lennon thought he was black. So he's gone off of someone. Someone said <laughs> he's Channing yeah. Tatum his way through. He life. is doing the most. One of the four, um, like it's shared funding uh, through four different theater companies, and he's one of the the people that received this. Um, he said he was a he adopted the. Uh, his parents are white, but people who met Lennon thought he was black. He adopted the identity of a black man and chose a new name out of a book. Oh my God! Uh, he wrote. Jesus, <laughs> help us all. Oh my God! He wore a Rastafarian hat and had an un- unequivocally African name. His hair was curly. His skin was dark. He spoke of the bigotry he had experienced because of his appearance and dedicated his career as an actor and theater director to exposing prejudice uh, of people of color. Um, African born again. What is the institution or organization that gave him the money doing? Because we keep talking about him. Of course, he ain't going to give the money back. Like, what are they doing? Um, are they doing anything? I don't think that they're doing anything at all. I think that he's doubling down on receiving the money. And, and you know, this is London. I think London has more of a race issue than um, a lot of people like to. Okay, now that I'm looking at him and his family, I feel like Mama has some question, has some questions to answer. Uh, <laughs> what Wait. mama do? What mama give Because his these are these are hold on. Let me his find brother. It. He don't look like his brothers and sisters. Oh, oh, these are uh, mama got some. I know what you mean. Mama do might, got some questions she, to answer. She might have been sleeping with somebody. She ain't had no business sleeping mama with. Mama got some questions got to some answer. Questions to answer. Because if you think about him saying, you know, both my parents are white. I I I don't know if he said he feels black or whatever, but. This is crazy. This is literally like you said, Rachel Dolezal. This is a, a, a this is a okay. lifetime movie of the week. I'm here for it. <laughs> the Rachel Dolezal of theater. Um, I'm here for it. Who is that? Oh, I thought that was Malik Yoba. It's not. Is this? He probably think he Malik Yoba. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wear me I, out. I am. I. I. I just. No, oh, Michaela Cole. Confusion. Like yes. if there ever was a moment, <laughs> this is it. You are we are confusion. Um, like I mean, just man, just give the money to where it's supposed to go. You knew that his money wasn't delivered. You know like, he's not gonna give the money, Drew. You know that. I know. No, he can't keep. I keep trying to give him like maybe you don't know so who the actor your real reportedly, daddy is, but he says yet everyone I met thinks I. You can't be going on what people think you are. Right, yes. you need like, to figure what? it out, sir. Like take a test. The actor reportedly applied on the basis of his mixed heritage, having previously claimed he had I you gone through the struggles hairdo. of a black man. No, he said he's gone through the struggles of a black man, despite being born to white Irish parents. Uh, growing up, uh, Lennon's high school. Mr. Lennon's high cheekbones and I said high school. Mr. Lennon's high cheekbones and curly hair led people to see him as mixed race, making him the largest, the target of racist slurs, according to an ebook he wrote ten years ago, Unearthed by the Sunday Times. Uh, he talked about his racial racial identity when he appeared in the 1990s episode of BCC or BBC series Everyman. Okay, that's what I saw. Um, Anthony was born in Kilbourne, West London. His parents both come from Ireland and are both indisputably white. 
Like this organization need to do something because, like I said, this man is not going to give that money back. Mm-hmm. He is going to double down so he can be able to keep that money. What is the organization? This is crazy do? to me. Like I've like I've been listening to this story and like I just it's just like he's he's for real. Of course he like, is. We've seen this already. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, new. and you know, like, I'm, I'm really, I'm flabbergasted because I'm, I'm a light skin, like, I'm very fair skin, mm-hmm. but I just can't imagine, like, knowing that I'm white, but like, I just can't imagine, like, I, I, I never get mistaken for white. I don't. Nobody even like. Imagine if a hundred thousand dollars was in the equation, then I would be white. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Like, um. But I, I can't even pass. Like, I cannot pass. But he passed, and that is why this organization, whoever gave him the money, the grant, the scholarship, the whatever it, it is, yeah. they need to do something at this point. I mean... Because if they don't, they are as much a part of it as he is. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you that they need to take the money back, but I don't think that they will. They That, that means that they would have to prove that they were... I mean, they were wrong, but like, I mean, they would have to say that. That's like saying that they were wrong, and and you they know, white white institutions don't want to say that. Um, this is a very unusual case, they say, and we do not think it undermines the support we provide in Black and minority ethnic people uh, within the theater sector. Well, we um, just undermine whoever could have got it this year that was Black. Uh, <laughs> this is crazy. Right. Y'all call it so, crazy. I call it trifling. Okay, yeah. They, so the Arts Council is not giving the money back. Like, they're not t- trying to take the money back from them. Um, they said, I wash my hands. <laughs> I they, wash my white hands. Yeah. Um, he's identified as mixed race, and so that's what he's claiming. Um, but, but. <laughs> even though both his parents are white. <laughs> like, yeah. So because people believed said, that he was. That's yeah. This is yeah. Um, it's just too much. It, it's it's too much. Wow. Because like, if you said, "I I am mixed race," you can't. You know what I'm saying? Like, because mm-hmm. he, he could get away with that. Like, okay, I was adopted, mm-hmm, or right. you know, I don't know who my father was, but this is my dad who adopted something like that. Mm-hmm. He could have gotten away with it, but he's like so adamant about keeping the level of white privilege. That lets him exist in both worlds. In both worlds, to have both, mm-hmm. which is just trifling. It trifling. is. He can be able to do both. And yeah. then even if you feel because he can drop it at any time, like mm-hmm. you can take it off right. and be like, "Oh, haha, just kidding." My right. Bad. I mean, and I think like I he looks like playing. he tans his skin. Like it yeah. looks like he yeah. is tanning. Like he's particularly like what well, they've been calling that uh, nigger fishing. They've been <laughs> when black well, on fish, Twitter, black fishing is right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> no, I, just, <laughs> I heard nigga fishing too, but I was like, cat black. Like, it's, right. It's right there. <laughs> my, my rhyming <laughs> come through. It's right there. Come through. Um, well, that's what they've been calling on Twitter this week because there've yeah. been a, a, a plethora of you know white women that have been tanning their skin and like putting braids in their hair and no, sort of making it look like they are black women yeah. um, for for likes and for social media fame. Yeah. But that's literally what this man is doing he's pretending to be uh of mixed race or you know a light-skinned black man so that he can have certain privileges or mm-hmm. experience of uh, yeah um that you know are offered to minorities but it would be this man that gets the, the highest of the highest privilege you know a lump sum of money of uh for and if you knew if you know what the struggles are then you know that your struggles don't compare to right. that of a black person in theater. Right. I mean, 
but he don't see it that way because obviously he feels like he's doing something of of good nature because he's an actor and you know and and also a director I believe of running this uh, uh, organization that is for black people he feels like he's doing the work that's like Rachel Dolezal yeah. how she did not understand it didn't equate to her that she was doing something wrong because she was working at the NAACP yeah. um, it's something mentally not clicking it's not there yeah. like there's just there's stuff that the car is turning over and it's yeah. not coming on yeah. like it's just turning over yeah um, yeah, so moving on, <laughs> like I can't take wow. too much of that. Damn, theater um, world is well, and, and real housewives of theater, tripping, right? Here for it. Well, this is just this week. Damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is just this week. Like it's usually some some more bullshit. Every week, it's always something. That's why I'd be so tired. Like mm. trying to follow the this. trying to follow the news. Like I can't. I'm tired, y'all. All these <laughs> white people doing this, doing stupid shit. Stupid. And that we got to sit up here and come and talk about. It. I'm tired of it. Um, but in um, in good news, Spike Lee is adapting a solo show uh, about Frederick Douglass for the screen. Oh wow! Um, after collaborating with R- uh, Roger Smith, I can't even say his middle name. Gunnivor. Uh, Roger Gunnivor Smith on the film playing, adaptation. He's playing Frederick Douglass. Well, I think, uh, I believe so. Don't give me the line. Yes, it, I mean, Roger. it was Roger Gunnivor Smith's. It was Roger son of, uh, Gunnivor Smith's solo show, and the, the name of the show was Frederick Douglass Now. He um, so loves he, the solo show. Oh, so oh, it he was does. a play. It was a play. A one-man show. Well, you know, Spike Lee is always, like, trying to film plays. And, yeah. like, yeah. I know he did that with Antoinette's Passover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he did. He, well, he filmed, um, supposedly he filmed uh, Passing Strange, and didn't he also do? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he did Passing Strange. Uh Thurgood, Thurgood for HBO, like with uh, Lawrence Fishburne. When Lawrence Fishburne did the Thurgood Marshall solo show on Broadway, uh, he, didn't I he do now. Anna Divier Smith's first? Uh, I think so. I think that he did like years yeah. ago. He's oh, always he, trying to do. He really got a track record. Yeah, and, and he oh. might have also done um, Mike Tyson's show. Did you do Mike Tyson's uh, show? Oh, I, yeah. I think he don't give me the line. No, I, I think he actually directed yeah. Mike Tyson's show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think so. I think so. Um, so yeah, he's trying to do another piece. Uh, he's working with Roger on a film adaption of a Huey P. Newton story and Rodney King. Um, so Spike Lee will team up with the theater artist once again to bring Frederick Douglass now to the screen. Uh, jazz composer Mark Anthony Thompson will pin the score, having previously worked with Smith and Lee earlier on stage to screen ventures. I saw him in um, in Huey. Uh, when I was in college. Oh, really? Yeah, when he was doing the Huey Newton one man oh, wow. show. Oh, yeah. so Roger, you know, so you know Roger. I, I, mean, I don't know him personally. Oh, but, but you saw yeah, okay. him. Did you enjoy times. it? Um, yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> you better think on it. Yeah, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I like that. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. It was, you, thing, it was you, all right. you also saw uh, American Sun this week. Yes. Okay. What did you think of American Sun starring Kerry Washington? It is absolutely a play. <laughs> what does that mean? It is absolutely a play. Well, okay, let's let's talk about it. So if you don't I'm know, I'm using that from now on. <laughs> oh, that was absolutely, absolutely a play. play. <laughs> that was a play. Listen, <laughs> that's absolutely a musical. But see, now if I would have said that, it would have been like, oh, I can see. I can't say stuff like that and get away with it's it. It's absolutely a that's play. Absolutely a play. Yes. If that's um, what they're going for, they they hit that mark. <laughs> so what 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 about it did it did it what did it do for you what didn't it do for okay you? i felt it was it was definitely emotionally manipulative mm. um because there was there were throughout the play and i 
I loved Olivia Pope as much as anybody else. I watched every and season. And she can emote. Of the, she, she can emote. I mean, from the back of house, you will see that lip quiver. In the you nod. See, like, do, you, do you remember the, the nod when she'd say, every time she'd deliver a lie, and she'd be like, yeah, and that was supposed to mean because that because the hair was the hair up. was laid so well, like she needed to make sure that 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 the, wrap the, the yeah. bounce the, the bounce yeah, bounce. like she she's like, oh, I want you to know that I I had a silk bonnet on, I wrapped my head, mm-hmm. I had three bobby pins, and it was laid for the gods, and now here I am, yeah. like it's bouncing, it's waving, it's here for the wind. I'm a cover girl. Yeah, but the thing is, and this is <laughs> she's all that. She's, she's I'm talking about she's you know no stiff bitch. No stiff. <laughs> like stiff where? Right. Stiff, stiff where? Like But that doesn't translate when your hair is in a bun on stage. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like and she's and I remember Because she goes around and the you know, the head goes around in a circle. Yeah. It's like, oh And I was like, yeah. Why you make her a bobblehead? Y'all just see him in the studio. He turned her into a whole bobblehead. That's what she was doing. Every she would deliver something. It was supposed to be like some kind of intense line, and she was like, she'd nod after it. She's like, I'm trying to think of a line because it was so. She's a hysterical actress on stage. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's a level of hysteria that she starts at, and then she can only keep going up. The stakes are the stakes are there. Does the role call for it? Let me know. The, the, <laughs> the role, it, the, the, the dialogue kind of does because mm-hmm. it's so overdone. When mm-hmm. I read and found out that it was a white man that, that wrote it, I was like, of course it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this makes sense. Because there, was, there were ways that she would, there was, there were too many ain'ts in there that didn't feel natural, mm-hmm. that a black person wouldn't put an ain't there. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, there were certain, you know, there were, there were dialogue, there was dialogue and monologues that were given that just felt like these long speeches um, that were not natural. And if the entire... Chandelier? Like, do you think that that, that had something to do with... It was Olivia Pope, Olivia Pope and, and um, Fitzgerald Grant. You know, they got married and instead of moving to Vermont, they moved to Miami and they had a kid and he decided he wanted to be an FBI agent. So it was that was the dynamic that was there. That was that was what was present the entire thing, um, the entire show. And then on top of that, it felt so manipulative. It was right. like you're going to feel a thing, and we're getting there. I cried at the end, but it was it was like somebody forced me to do that Ooh. because it was it was tragedy porn. Yeah. It was it was these it were these huge, you know, overdrawn. Uh, uh, statements about and when I drive down a street called Dixieland Avenue and I'm <laughs> thinking about all of the trees and all of the men that swung from those trees Jesus. and you are trying to tell me that I don't know how to raise my son and I'm just like girl like calm down like yeah I'm just like calm down like, like what black most. woman is doing this right to her white husband you married him like I can't. Like, so what I will say, what literally just popped into my mind is hearing you talk about how like like overall this piece is from this like white ass writer mm-hmm. from this black perspective. All these ain'ts going back to the first hot topic in terms of the times. Can y'all guess what type of review that got? It got great reviews. A rave review. Yeah, I I'm was, sure it did. I was, <laughs> it was a critic pick. 
I'm I was sure. in the bar because afterwards. White people, white people cannot handle blackness without black pain. Yeah. Exactly. Like there has yes. to be some exactly. sort of. And then it being through the lens of whiteness. Yeah. So yeah. Like, oh, I understand oh, this we, blackness. Oh, yes. I get yeah. it. It makes yes. sense to me. It was a play written to white people to get them to understand some shit black people have been trying to tell them over the last Exactly. Oh, and they're going to get decade. it now. Watch. They're going to they're gonna eat it up, sop yeah. it up with a biscuit because yeah. they are just all here for black pain. Like black pain is profitable. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to, you know, sort of remember that the works that I like too, like, is this really powerful? Is this really moving? Are they manipulating me to feel yes. something because of black pain? Yeah. Because I know what black pain feels like. Yeah. I, I know what that looks you, like. You saw it. Yes. Right? Did you see it? No. Okay. Well, spoiler alert. Uh, at the end, when, it, if, if none of the, the show had happened mm -hmm. and it was just that scene, because of all that we've been conditioned to feel, if it was just a five-minute clip on television, because we've seen that five-minute mm -hmm. clip on television. We've seen the play over and over of the police cams. We've seen those things. So it triggers that immediately. So all of the critique I had before, my mind was triggered and I saw, mm. you know, I saw Tamir Rice and I mm -hmm. saw um, Philando Castile and I saw all these other people. And that's what made me emotional. It wasn't what I had seen previously, but that all of that was what made white people emotional. Because, right. you know, they need you, it can't just be somebody was shot and killed unjustly. It's like uh -uh. they got to have, oh, he really didn't deserve it. Right. And that whole play was how he much be, he didn't right. deserve he it. Be, he came yep. from a good family. Right. His daddy's was an white. FBI agent. His daddy was white. His mom's a PhD and right. teaches at a university. Like yep. they had to give him all this. And then it was his friend, somebody else who had the weed. Right. But he was the one who he got killed. He was the killed. good one. He was the good black one. And like, right. that's the shit that's right. so frustrating And this. Like, yes. But you gotta I, think... Yes, a white person did write it because, wh like, why did he have to exist in this sort of space? Like, mm -hmm. why did he have to have all of these privileges as a black man, right? So, like, is it what you're saying is that if he, like, came from a, like, one-parent household mm -hmm. who, like, mom might have been on, like, crack or whatever the case may be and something happened to him, did he, like, not... Deserve it then? Was it like okay for this to happen then? Yeah. Right. Like, what are you trying to say? Like, what's the argument? I'm gonna I'm gonna relate this in a way that is gonna feel like it's out of context. But when I I studied um, pop culture, American studies pop, pop mm -hmm. culture, when I was in college, and I wrote a paper about um, Moesha. Because Moesha, on, Moesha was held up as this like, oh my God, look at her, she's so good, she's so great, she's like the 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 quintessential black girl. Everybody mm -hmm. loves her. There are no stereo. She's not a stereotype. But all her friends were stereotypes. Right. All of her friends were stereotypes. So all the stuff they said that they weren't doing with her, they still did in the context of the show, but they had the other characters doing it. So for me, looking at that, it was like you had to bring these two other children that, that, that the parents didn't know anything about that, that, that kind of cut through all that they had been building and saying to about him mm -hmm. to you know to the to the police officers to justify like he shouldn't be here he didn't do anything wrong oh wait he kind of did do something wrong but no but he really did no oh, well his friends did so it was all these like ways mm -hmm. just to say that that, that that good niggas don't get shot do you know what I mean? Right. It took us in, on this whole journey just to get to the same conclusion we we get all the time. That which we is, already know. Uh, yeah. Right. And and this made it to Broadway. Yeah. You know, this is this had all of the the famous people behind it. You know, mm -hmm. Carrie Washington mm -hmm. and her husband, mm -hmm. and and Shonda Rhimes and Gabrielle Union. And Jada, right? Did Jada or something? Um, 
Yeah, like Jada. Jada was a part Shonda, of this one too. Gabriel yeah. Union. Yeah, a I, lot of them. Yeah. Put some money. Put real money behind this. And and you know how do we combat people that have the money? money that yeah. this is what they're funding. This is what they feel is something that is powerful and transcendent and going to change the people. But you know, people with money are so out of touch with real life and reality. That you know, maybe they've been famous too long, or maybe they've been rich too long, that they don't understand the struggle of people that are living now in this day and age, yeah. uh, with you know, in poverty, in, in middle class America, in just day to day life. You know, it, it's it boggles my mind. Like I understand that you're rich, I understand that you have a different lived experience, mm-hmm. um, but when when do you start listening to the people that are saying that are actually in the, in the middle of it and saying this yeah. is what we need this these are the type of playwrights mm-hmm. that we need these are the type of stories that we need yeah. we don't need things like this that are tragedy porn especially you can't tell a a, a a black man's perspective and a black man's story if it's written by a white man there's just no way a that a white that, man who was a trial attorney <laughs> there's no way like i said there's no way that you can you can't convince me that that yeah. this man is going to be able to write um and understand a a the any black man's story regardless whether he's in the suburbs or in you know the inner city like yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't compute it doesn't compute at all and like um, they were just trying to push it so like I'm, I'm so just even hard thinking about like the name alone American Son like you're trying to push so yeah hard to make this like the quintessential black guy who just all American yeah. granted I haven't seen it but just thinking about that I'm I like, mean Come yeah on, you y'all. you you right it, it it would it would fit perfectly in 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 a in a new version of the Colored Museum okay mm-hmm. yeah just that's how. Cliche. But it, what it, it would have to, I mean, and even the Color Museum is a, uh, I guess a satire, like right? A, a satire, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not but even. It, but this it would is be supposed easily to... satired, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. In 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 the Colored Museum. Oh mm-hmm. wow! Like yeah. like the the uh, Big Mama on the couch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually George one of my Jackson favorite. would yeah. have. Was it George George C. Jackson? Right. George, George C. Wolf. Mm-hmm. Wolf, right? Yep. He would have a field day satirizing this this play yeah i mean i could definitely see it and i, I feel like it's gonna come too um I, i'm long overdue for a new satire mm-hmm. um, but yeah so we're gonna move right along uh, i think we got enough of the hot like literally now. all these hot topics when you say we're gonna move right along the first thing that pops my mind is thank god <laughs> because these hot topics are i'm so hot right now at the caucasity and the nonsense behind every single one of these hot topics right now. It's crazy, but we're going to give a little bit of joy. We're going to end with some of the church announcements. Angela Bassett and Cicely Tyson will be... Come on, church announcements. uh, (laughs) These are church (laughs) announcements. Uh, Angela Bassett and Cicely Tyson will be uh, honorary chairs for the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater 80th Anniversary Gala. That gala is going to be on uh, November 28th. You can go ahead and grab your tickets online. Uh, Norm Lewis, Lettucey, Brandy Sutton will also... Uh, offer special guest performances mm-hmm. so that's something to check out Patina Miller will join the cast of American Repertory Theater's uh, Extraordinary now I, when I tell you I was sitting outside the rehearsal hall with them singing you know MJ Rodriguez is in this mm. Melody Betts um, um, uh, Brianna uh, Marie Parham she, like they are singing when I tell you they're singing for the blood they are Get it. singing mm. um, so I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see this I'm gonna go to Boston and see this cause I'm gonna get in there um, so the production, uh, Patina Miller will join for, I think, like one weekend for three performances, November 16th, um, 17th, and 18th. Um, and the production runs through November 30th. So check that out. Also, I told y'all Eve's song is the shit. 
Um, that just opened this week, November the seventh. It is phenomenal. Like it is something that you have to see. It's so beautifully written, so poetic. Um, so many different layers to it, and it's just it's just good. And just, just real quick, I'm pretty sure. So you were talking about American Son, mm-hmm. right? This uh, piece about police brutality on black bodies, written by a white man, Eve Song about police brutality against black bodies written by, by a, a black, black woman. woman. And I'm sure you'll be able to feel, feel the difference. No, yeah. the difference. Oh, and I, yeah. cannot, I cannot wait to see Eve's song. Yeah, yeah, it is phenomenal. It's something that you... We forgot you... to talk about uh, the, the black cop in a, in a movie. I mean, in the, in the play, Eugene Lee. Played by uh, Eugene Lee. What, what we? I'm not talking about. I, I've what been, I miss? See, I told y'all I just, last week I was leading in love, so I was standing away from even telling had, anybody I, just, I saw I just, this play. I just had, I had no one to talk <laughs> yeah, to. Leading in love. So I've been leading in love, and I've been telling, I've been just avoiding like even talking about shit Sorry. that that I just don't really believe in. Like I just didn't have anyone to talk to about it. <laughs> shit that I don't believe in. I just don't believe in it. It's just not a part of my ministry. I was just in the um, Uber, like. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, I, could, I had to. I had to. Uh, Ig like I saw a play. People had performances. Like I had. You know what I'm saying? Like Lord, that's I when you know. Um, that's when you know. Yeah, it like was a play. it. <laughs> it was a play. I'm like, I want things that are going to elevate us as Black people. Even, mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell our stories. You can tell the pain. You can tell. But like like you said, this is really tragedy porn. Uh, it is it is we manipulative. We should tell our stories. We should, um, yeah, and and that's why we're going. You know, I'm, I think that it's beautiful that people are writing their own works. Like Amber is doing her own short mm-hmm. film this weekend. Mm-hmm. People are writing their own one woman shows. Pascal Armand has a one woman show that she's doing right now, uh, and it is. Um, it is about a woman trapped in her basement uh, as a tornado approaches, and um, it's called Natural Shocks, and it plays through November 25th, and so you should definitely check that out. Oh, um, it good. is, um, she spills, so it says the tornado approaches is there, she spills in, over into confession, regret, long-held secrets, and gladly new love. Um, yeah, so Natural Shocks with Pascal Armand. Um, also... They the bodyguard is still going and they got a UK and Ireland tour. Alexandria Burke from I think she was like on The Voice or or not The Voice but she won uh, the X Factor. X Factor yeah UK. So she's been she's I think she's done the bodyguard before but she's doing a tour again. And that show's supposed to have been come to Broadway but it's really? like, it ain't good. Mm. Um, it, there's no real book there like it's no mm. no real story. Mm-hmm. Um, happen it's just really just like a it's like a jukebox musical like Donna mm-hmm. Summer. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, they can't just be like the bodyguard movie. They can translate it. Like- um, well, I think they tried to do that, mm-hmm. but you know they use a lot of Whitney songs. Um, mm. They they use the songs you know from the movie and stuff, but um, it just doesn't doesn't feel like the bodyguard the movie. It just it just feels like a review of the the soundtrack. Right. Just um, bucket of chicken. You know what? <laughs> you, and you know I want to talk about that, but you know we can't. So here you are trying me. See? <laughs> it's just a bucket of fried it, chicken. It's just a bucket of chicken. chicken. Is the um, Tina Turner musical coming to Broadway? It is. Yeah, it that'll is. be there. That'll be next uh, next season. Uh, Adrian Warren, I hear, is killing it. So yeah, I, and I know she transforms. Thing. I can't wait. She transforms on a stage. When I tell you that Shuffle Along did something to me, her Florence Mills was beautiful and like she, she even transitions into you know another character like she just she's phenomenal so i know that she's taking on this tina turner role like in in 
there's nobody slaying. else I think could do it. Yeah, there's nobody else I think could do it in the way that Adrian. She has the grunt mm-hmm. of her voice, but she also has the slim, thender frame yeah. and the legs to mm-hmm. do it. Like, she's she's killing it. Yeah, so, I really want to see that. I yeah, just like in the UK. Shout out to Black Sisterhood with uh, Katori Hall being the book writer for yes. Tina and Dominique Mariso, the mm-hmm. book writer for The Temptations. They're both going to be on Broadway. That is same crazy. That's like amazing. that's spectacular. That's crazy. I love, I love, that's love, love that. Like that just makes my heart so yeah. amazing and so happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so those are the church announcements. We're going to get right into the listen letter. We're going to get up yes, on, up out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, you just brush on by, you know, just tell the people what's what's going uh-huh, on. Uh-huh. Um, but this this listener is from. Um, okay, let me make sure I can say the name. Can you say that name? Can I say the name? I can say the name. His name is Jonathan. What's going on, Jonathan? Hey, Jonathan. What's up? He says, hey, fam, you're reading this. Thank you so If you're reading this, thank you so much. Obviously, I love y'all to death, and y'all give me life every week. Side note, I saw Princess Ambry Mon at Williamstown Theater Festival this past summer as an apprentice, and I was so geeked out. She slayed my entire life reading and singing the house down for Secret Soldiers. But I digress. Let me get to my question. Said, my name is Jonathan. I'm an actor living in the panhandle of Florida. My town was slim. My town has slim resources for theater. To sum it up, it's extremely basic and quite white. My community theater is stuck on recycling old white playwrights along with the same six white male actors in town. And my university theater, also mad white, is mostly exclusive to the BABFA students. And I'm and I'm a graduate who is ready to dive into bigger and better theater with artists who are doing the work and putting out complex stories. I know my worth, and not to toot my own horn, but I know I can do better than where I'm at. Okay, now. I know New York is, is supposed to be the place to be, but I was never really a fan of it. I'm a Southern gay with big dog, uh, with big dog who loves his trees and open space, and even though I will make a move up north eventually, I'm just not ready for the chaos that is New York City. I'm low on money, non-equity, and got family in the South, so I've been looking at Atlanta as a first start. I know Princess Amber has, who has proclaimed... Uh, the Halle Berry of the South um, and stayed in ATL until the spirit called for a change to move up north and I plan on doing the same. So specifically Amber, but uh, also Danya and Drew, if y'all have any experience, can you tell me what the ATL theater scene was like for you and do you have any tips for young black artists making a big transition like this? Oh, I'm so sorry. Amber's not here this week. Um, but I mean, I can tell you now, like, you know, the the... Uh, there is a theater scene, but mm-hmm. also you have to really realize too that you know you got to have a car in Atlanta. Driver where traffic is crazy, um, but there's not as many opportunities. Of course, there's you know Kenny Leon's True Color theaters, but um, there's not as many opportunities to uh, gain your equity card if you're not equity. Um, you really have to like get into the square. No, you have to know people. You have to know people to get those jobs, and you have to be on on top of it. Um, so it might take you a little bit longer to get the resources or the uh, what you're claiming to to uh, wanting to have before you move to New York. And like you said, we told y'all before, we do not like New York. <laughs> like we don't want to be here either. Like you know, Danya live in Jersey. That ain't even mm-hmm. really New York. He loved living over in the boondocks mm-hmm. where you know you right over the water right so i mean and i'm thinking about moving over there too come on now because you know we nobody's here for the city like you know everybody's here for the 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 hustle and bustle with the opportunities that are here um and so yes you you gonna have that dog like go and live that you know country lifestyle that's, that's fine southern gay life as you said right the southern gay life and it's beautiful and it's mm-hmm. fun you know you get so much more bang for your buck but do you really want 
that lifestyle or do you want the opportunities? You really have to, to decide. I mean, you know, and Diane ain't talking about he ain't living here forever either. He want to he want to move to Atlanta. Yeah, I'm going to move to Atlanta. Um, but then but but then so going off of uh, your question and what you talked about, I am going to move to Atlanta, but I'm going to move to Atlanta after I know I'm in a certain space in my career uh, to be able to move to Atlanta where I won't be starting over where I have a certain name for myself where once I move to Atlanta, I'll be set. Right. I'll be good. It's not I go to Atlanta first and then I decide to move to uh, New York because that wasn't a part of my ministry. Uh, You (laughs) need to ask yourself, like, what exactly do you want? Right. Right. Do you want your equity card? Do you want to be able to work? Do you want to be able to work constantly? And if that's the case, then you might need to consider bypassing Atlanta and then coming straight to New York. But like that's something that you seriously need to ask yourself. Do you want to kind of prep yourself first before doing that? And if that's the case, then yes, maybe your plan right now of Atlanta, then going to New York and you also um, is what it is for you. You also got to think too that Amber, you know, is the princess of the South, yes. And she worked in Atlanta for a long time before. But her mom is so intricate and so involved in the theater scene down there that, you know, not trying to speak for her, but, you know, she had a connection. She mm-hmm. had an inside source, somebody directly connected to the theater scene that could help and guide her along the way. Um, if you don't have those type of resources in specifically in the theater scene, then that's that's harder to do. Um, so I would say, you know, get to New York, make family, make it's easier to find family that's from Atlanta in New York City than it is to find. Yes. New York City. You know what I'm saying? Or or people in Atlanta to to build theater spaces with because everybody moves to New York City. So you can find friends and family in New York City that's from Atlanta like that could stay here for a year, you know, build up some relationships and then move to Atlanta after that. You know, after you feel like you've gotten a little bit more of a uh, inside look into what theater actually is because everything theater wise is happening in New York City. Does that make sense? Yeah. and, 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 And yes. And then also it's about like this is a possibility of having to start over twice. Right, like going to Atlanta, having to start all over from where you are in Florida, then moving to New York and having to start all over again. Right, right. So, are you going to just bypass the because people that's living in people that's living in Atlanta doing theater are not like I feel like people get stuck in that, like they're Mm -hmm. not trying to get to New York, like they're not, you know, saying they're doing theater in Atlanta, like that's their home, they build a life there. It's easy to get sucked into that particular lifestyle. It's it's great. It's it'd be hot. You know what I'm saying? It you know, you got a car, you got more space. Like that's a whole different lifestyle. When you get in into that, it's like it's hard to leave. So people that are doing theater in Atlanta are not trying to come to New York. And then also some people want that. Like right. that's and that's and okay. That. And like that's a part of their ministry. And you just need to ask yourself what is it that you want exactly? Yeah, and what about New York you don't like? Like, mm-hmm. is it the small space? Is it, you know, not... I mean, you could have a dog, you know what I'm saying, but you're sacrificing some of your space for your dog. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's what exactly don't you like about it? And then can you make the sacrifices for the things that you don't like to get to what it is that you want, that you really feel like in your head or in your mind is your ultimate goal and your ultimate dream? Yeah. That makes sense, Bossy. I mean, <laughs> look, we just rambled off. No, I mean, I, I have nothing to add, so I'm just listening. Okay, well, good, good, good. Um, well, we I got think... time for one more. That's it. No, we good. Okay, we good. I'm, I'm, I'm already drained from the, the hot topics. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm drained from the hot topics. And mind cause... you, those hot. T- it was just three hot. I count. It was just three hot topics just go around. <laughs> yeah, because and I they just weren't can't... draining. <laughs> I can't. As fuck. <laughs> so I just, I just, um, mm-hmm. I'm tired, and you know, we already. 
a, a minute, I mean, an hour 40 in. We did pretty good. And, and mind you, Chris did what he did. So, what? I mean, he started. Right. So, we and got so something we cut like, off. Yeah, we got like a few minutes cut off. Yeah, okay. So, oh, and we went back to that old way. Good. I'm glad. You know, it was getting pretty long. Mm-hmm. It was, but he was listening. But y'all listening, y'all. I appreciate y'all, you know, listening all the way through to a lot of stuff but um because i'll be thinking like how did we get here how did how did we get how did we get here but we made it but we made it bossy we thank you so much for joining us today i I had fun i wish i could have gone through my you know list of broadway shows and musicals i enjoy but y'all ain't asked me what i did listen (laughs) what what did you do this week i mean you went and saw american sun did you go see anything else no. <laughs> you know what? You know what? It would have been nice to be asked. Is all I'm saying. I'm sorry. I thought we, I thought we did. I'm sorry. Like when we. Yeah, you should have asked. Thank Just, you. What's going on with you? Well, you the one know the format so well. You knew better. Um, <laughs> but, but what else did you do? Is there anything you want to include or anything you want to add? What musicals do you like? Like what is one? Uh, no, Name top I, three. I grew up on on, on just like listening to cast albums and watching the movie versions. Like the first mm. movie that I loved as a kid was Sound of Music. Oh wow! And then it, and then it went to Dream Girls, and uh, I can't do top three because that's it's, it's too many. It's too many. I just I really really loved. I read. I remember when I was about twelve, I discovered uh, August Wilson. Mm-hmm. So I read every single one of his plays. So I've read more plays and listened to more cast albums than I've actually seen mm. shows. Like my, the first show I ever saw was Carolina Change. Ooh, that's the first show I saw on That's Broadway. my, literally my favorite. Yeah. Like my ultimate favorite musical of all time is Carolina Change. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. so beautifully, so beautifully done. There's actually a production happening in London right now. Oh, and, really? oh shout out to my friend, um, a young lady in, in London. She... Um, does a project called the Black Ticket Project where she curates tickets and gets money for uh, people of color Excellent. that, um, well, not people of color, black people. It's a yeah. Black Ticket Project. Um, she gets tickets for black people that normally won't be able to see shows and they give out tickets. Oh, they just got like 500 wonderful. tickets for the Carolina Change wow. uh, oh, production of the London and the West End. So, that's yeah, shout lovely. out to Toby. That's lovely. I that's love why it. I, I love this podcast and I love what you're doing with it because there's a kid in Stillwater, Oklahoma, like I was, who loved theater mm. and had no access to it. Yeah. And these oh, this is am- kinds of things, it's, 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 it's fantastic. Yeah. I actually want, I would prefer my book to be a play first before people start talking about series and movies. Oh, okay. I would love for it to be a one-woman show. Oh. Absolutely, yeah. Well, when are you going to do it? Oh, wow. That's not the conversation I was starting. <laughs> <laughs> she said, come on, calm down. Wishes and dreams. She yeah, said, I mean, down. we would see that. We would love to see that. Would you want to read like an excerpt from your book? Like right now? Show? Yeah, if you want to. I mean, um, do you have something like a piece that you would like to? And we could end the show that way. That would be great. Wow, what about uh I know you got like a little a little something like a little thing that you would send off to like, hey, just this is an excerpt from my book. Uh, well, hey, talk amongst yourselves and see if I Okay, and then you know Chris will you know do his magic and Because Chris is always doing some magic. Right. Don't Come he? on now. hmm Okay, so we're introducing Bossy Ikpi. Yes. I'm lying, but I'm telling the truth. This is called Beauty in the Breakdown, and it is about the story I told earlier. Uh, about the breakdown in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so I'm during s- the Deaf Poetry Jam or the Deaf Jam Deaf Poetry Jam tour. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. so I'm starting from uh the dressing room, thirty minutes until curtain. Wow, okay. 
The silence is broken by a PA announcement. 30 minutes until curtain. She inhales sharply and her heartbeat increases. She fixates her gaze on her reflection, which holds just an empty space covered in makeup. Her eyelashes are crooked, but nobody can see that shit from the audience anyway. She needs to finish her mouth. She reaches in her makeup bag for a tube of MAC Film Noir lipstick. She pulls out Ruby Woo. Eyeshadows, mascara, more wedges, more lipsticks, no Ruby Woo. I mean, no Film Noir. She dumps the content of the bag on the table and begins to frantically search through them, the items scattering and rolling onto the floor. She feels the quiver start from her bottom lip before it radiates through her body like some evil superpower. She has to find the lipstick or everything will fall apart. She drops to her hands and knees, crawls through the, the bag she tossed on the floor when she entered. She dumps the contents out. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. She repeats this as she searches through piles of nothing looking for her lipstick until the panic hits her head and the room begins to sway. Suddenly, she can't breathe. Gasping, she continues to search, her fingers trembling. If she finds it, it will be okay. It will all stop. She finds it, lodged in a side pocket, but there's no relief. The, ang the anxiety has already infiltrated. Call time in 15 minutes, people. No. She needs more time. She needs to calm down. She jumps up and down and shakes her whole body, an old acting exercise. She needs this to stop. The first tear falls. She brushes it away and rushes to the mirror, pulling Kleenex from the vanity and dabbing at her face. You can only dab. If you rub, the eyes will get red and swollen. So she dabs and dabs and dabs until her face is drenched and her body still forming small ripples. She has to reapply some of the makeup now. It's streaked and running. She has 15 minutes. She has to get dressed. Where was Donise with her clothes? She has 15 minutes to get her shit together. She needs 15 minutes to smile and perform and laugh and act like a normal person for at least two hours a day. Get your shit together, she tells a reflection. She tries to dab at her eyes again, and an eyelash falls off, gliding to the floor like a broken butterfly. It lands just beneath the sink. She stares at it, and then herself. She gets on the floor to retrieve the stray eyelash. A few minutes later, there's a knock on the door. This time, she can't say anything. She has crawled underneath the sink, her body a tight ball, sobbing into her knees with the broken butterfly of an eyelash clutched to her fist. Another knock, and then another. She buries her face in her knees and wills her body to shrink into nothing. Outside, she hears Danice, irritated. You need to get dressed. Curtain is in 10 minutes. The door opens sharply with Denise in pre-show panic. She stops short when she sees a tiny, trembling creature. Oh, baby, she, states, she says, starting toward her. Go, get Alice, please. Denise drops the clothes and rushes out of the room. She's back in seconds with Alice, who takes one look and crawls under the sink. She holds her, stroking her hair as years of rivers flood over. It's okay, I got you. Still honey and spice, Alice's voice sinks into her skin. I got you, baby. But if you don't get help, you're going to die. Mm. Wow. Ooh. My God, that's intense. Ooh. And I've heard this story before, but like it, every single time it does something to me. Thank you so much for being brave Thank enough you. to share your story and, and share it with us. That was um, so vivid, wasn't it? And like I, I had, I had my eyes closed so I could be able to really experience every, and like I saw and felt every single thing. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me because you write Ooh. and it's in your head, and you don't know how mm -hmm. other people experience it. So thank you for. Was that the me first time it. you've shared? The first time I read it out loud, yeah. Wow. So I was wow. stumbling. I was like, okay, God, edit that. Need to change that. So. Oh yeah. wow! It was so yeah. beautiful and yeah. so detailed, and it, it it walked me. I it felt like I was there. 
Thank yeah, you. Thank Definitely. you. Definitely. So powerful. And you know how I feel about you mm. and, and, and your work. And I'm just happy that mm. this is being shared. And I can't wait till August. So thank you for sharing with us. Thank you. And we thank y'all for tuning in to a brand new episode of Off Book presented to you by Broadway Black. Where we've hit our marks and we've hit them right now. My name is Drew Shea. I'm Donya Love. And I'm Bossy Ekby. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Y'all. Hey. This was a lot. This was a lot. <laughs> We thank y'all, though, for for, um, making it through. And uh, until next time, bye, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Think I got everything I need. Think I got everything I need. Um, Don't put that on there. I don't whatever put it on there, put it on there, put it on there, put it on there. Whatever I just did, don't put right. Put that jingle on there. No, no, no. Sprinkle that jingle on there. Not sprinkle. Sprinkle that jingle on there. Oh my God! What's going on, everybody? It's a brand new episode. Why are you laughing? Because oh my gosh! Okay, I'm gonna get it out. Let leave me alone. Leave me alone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.